Tire Kingdom is open to serve your auto repair needs at all 190-plus locations throughout the state of Florida. Tire Kingdom is taking additional safety precautions and offers curbside and stay-in-car services. Tire Kingdom is currently offering oil change specials and essential business appreciation offers on tires and service. Visit TireKingdom.com for details. That's TireKingdom.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. Let Tire Kingdom get you there safely and affordably. And by Midas. Trust the Midas touch. And by Outback Steakhouse. Know the rules just right. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for listening in. It's kind of funny, last week's podcast, I know we did it a little bit late. I had some furlough things to deal with. But uh, in the middle of it, I got a call from Coach Spurrier, and I had to kind of click off and get get the uh, the call. And he was telling me that he wanted to know if I knew what his 75th win was as a Florida coach. He said, you'll never guess it. And I just kind of did the math in my head, and I went, Central Michigan? He goes, how did you know that? But um, I think he's really bored like everybody else, but he's he's been kind of researching a lot of stuff. He was telling me different wins. Like he got his, I think his 150th win was against Georgia and his 250th. He was telling me all this stuff that was, it was interesting stuff, obviously. Anytime the ball coach is on the phone with you, he, um, you know, it's 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 interesting, <laughs> to say the least. All right, so, I mean, we're in week eight. This is week eight with no sports, and I call it Coronaville, which is where it, where we live right now. But, you know, we're, we're loosening up. Well, we'll see where it goes. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. Does it get better? Um, with the loosening. I think I, the people in this county, and I know most of the people who listen to this podcast listen to it outside the state, and I know uh, Gator fans all over the place want to hear this podcast, but I'll just tell you, in this county, I think we've done a heck of a job. I mean, very few cases, very few deaths. Um, I, you know, I see people every day that are they're adhering to the rules. Hopefully the pool gets open eventually. That'll be a key for me. Uh, I am actually going to play golf tomorrow at uh, the university, of course, which opened up on Saturday. And they've got very strict rules about what you can and cannot do. And I think that uh, as long as you uh, you have people adhering to the rules, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, inverted cups and um, or, or you can't you don't have to touch uh, the flag stick. And no rakes in the bunkers, uh, one person per cart. You don't go in the clubhouse. Um, four people on the putting green is a max that you can have. So there's all kinds of rules like that. And as long as we keep doing this and do the rules, it, it we'll get to a point where everything is going to be okay. Um, we keep hearing more and more optimism about the start of a college football season. I mean, none of us know, okay? I had a long conversation with uh, Scott Strickland yesterday just about a variety of things. And one thing I talked to him about was whether they had had conversations about what the Dolphins announced, that they have a plan. And it doesn't mean this is what they're going to do, but they do have a plan where they would only allow 15,000 fans in. Um, This is 
not going to be a guarantee that you're not going to still not going to have problems. If, even if you only allow fifteen thousand in, people who want uh, something to drink, you know, you're going to have to adhere to certain rules there. People who want to go to the restroom, uh, you know, people getting in to the game, you're going to have to have lines. I mean, think about that. If you put Let's say it's Florida, Kentucky. I, I won't even give up Eastern Washington. I've already canceled that game, so you don't have to worry about that. Even though I don't, I think I'm the only person who has. Um, but say Florida's playing Kentucky, week two, games at home. Let's say they make it a seven o'clock game, which I bet they will. Everybody's looped up. You've done some tailgating. They're allowing anybody, you know, all ninety thousand to come if they want. Let's say eighty-five come. And you're going to be sitting side by side. But think about what it's going to be like going into the game. You can't test everybody. You can't test 85,000 people. So you may be able to check them for fever. That probably will be a part of it. So there are a lot of questions that I think everybody's going to have until we figure this thing out, until it gets to that point. But we are discussing possibilities and that's what that's what is keeping kind of keeping us going like if we just melt into our our lounge chairs and couches and binge watch every show that there is you know it's not going to end well you know for 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 anybody this country is going to fall apart people are, are at least getting out and doing stuff and talking and going for walks and discussing it on the phone and discussing it on sports talk radio shows discussing on, on this podcast what the possibilities are we're, we're making our minds continue to work instead of just shutting them down so that's good you know and i know it's especially hard with a lot of people on furlough um you know i know jim we're, we're gonna have jimmy himes come on talk about tennessee football and what they've been able to do with recruiting in just a minute um, but he's on. He he was on furlough all last week, and then it's easy at that point just to kind of shut your mind down. But you've got to kind, you got to keep going. You know, you got to keep. It's very hard. Look, we're we're about to be two months because it was it was March thirteenth was the day they killed sports. Okay, and again, I don't mean that negatively, but that was the day that sports died for a while. Well, it didn't die. It went into a coma. Um, but that was the day because the 12th, there was some activity. Obviously, the TPC, the first round, took place. And they did play, well, wait, they played a half of a basketball game that day, too. Wasn't it Seton Hall and somebody? Anyway, the, the 13th is when they uh, they went dead. But... We're just going to have to figure all these things out as we go, you know, and and it's like when I was talking to Scott Strickland yesterday, he made the the good point. Look, it's four months till opening day till the first football game that Florida has. Now, I know that there is a week zero game uh, in Dublin, which I don't think I think that's out. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's four months until a lot could happen. Think about where we were four months ago. You know, we're in the middle of a baseball, start of a baseball season, and everybody's, you know, we're still trying to figure out whether where Florida's going to go in the NCAA basketball tournament. So that that was then. Four months later, we're, we're a mess. Four months from now, we could be back to being, you know, in, in great shape. Nobody knows for sure. But, for example, 
Florida's had, had great renewal on their season football tickets, 90% renewal, which is good. Um, and they may end up having to get refund a lot of that money. You know, I mean, it, it's just the way it, it is. You know, you may not be able to let that many people into the stadium. And we, we just don't know. Nobody knows. Tire Kingdom is open to serve your auto repair needs at all 190 plus locations throughout the state of Florida. Tire Kingdom is taking additional safety precautions and offers curbside and stay in car services. Tire Kingdom is currently offering oil change specials and essential business appreciation offers on tires and service. Visit TireKingdom.com for details. That's TireKingdom.com. At Midas, our doors have been open since 1956, and that's not going to change now. As an essential business, we remain committed to keeping the health and safety of you and your vehicle a priority. To help maintain social distancing, many of our stores offer drop-and-go key drop-off and concierge service in addition to other offerings that may meet your needs. Midas is here to help make sure the wheels of the country keep moving. Local store hours can be found on Midas.com or by calling your local store. You know, the NFL has pulled out of these games overseas, which made a lot of sense. Personally, I, I know it's a big deal for the NFL, and they make a ton of money, and the teams make a lot of money. That's why the, everybody goes, why do the Jaguars keep playing? They make a lot of money. That's why they do it. But you, can, you can't play games overseas. You can't plan on playing games overseas. Um, but we'll, we'll just keep going and see what happens. See what happens. The ESPN did a study. And again, I, I looked at the numbers on the study. There were 1,700 people, I think, that were asked. Okay, is that a cross-section of all of America? No. 1,700 fans were asked. And a majority of them, I think it was over 60%, said they don't want fans in the stands. So, look, we know what we're seeing. We're going to see in golf. I think the first four tournaments are going to be without fans. Um, they'll still have to deal with other things, that ha- other people that have to be tested and checked, um, scores and, you know, um, you know, rules officials, caddies, obviously. But, you know, I, 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 can, I can live without there being um, fans at a golf tournament. Now, I will say this. When it comes time to the Masters, Nah, I don't want to see the Masters without fans. <laughs> I, I mean, look, if I if my only choices are Masters without fans or no Masters, okay, Masters without fans. But I'm hoping that we're there because that the roars at Augusta are what makes it great. And but then I get back to this question that I don't think any of us can answer either: is okay. Let's say you get a chance to go to Augusta and be at the Masters. How do you feel about that? Now, you, it's hard for you to answer that question today because now you're talking about something that is, what, six months away? Six and a half months away. And by then, you're hoping we're in a place where if you go there, 
and you hang around with a bunch of people, you're going to be okay. And even if you catch it, there's a vaccine. That, that's what you're hoping for. But who knows where we're going to be then? And as I said earlier, you know, the one sport that I, that I think it, it's needs the fans the least, they need them for revenue, certainly. They need them for ticket sales. They need them for uh, T-shirts and buying T-shirts and concessions and all that. And they will lose money by not having fans. But NASCAR, as far as uh, the drivers, are, they, they couldn't care less. They don't hear those guys anyway because once they turn those engines on. So we keep kind of waiting, hoping for better news. You know, um, if the Dolphins plan may be the template that a lot of t- people use when we come back. You know, the NFL, I, I don't think they've announced their schedule yet today, but that's going to happen. Or they're just going to announce it. Here it is. We'll let you know. Um, we're planning on playing this schedule. And that will include preseason games. I will say this. I know that the NFL, you know, they're, they're, they're like everybody else. Financially, there's going to be a real issue for them um, with lost revenues and everything, even, even if they do play uh, a full schedule. But I think it would be nice of the NFL, or at least I don't think of smart may not be the right word. To let people play to go to preseason games for free. You know, just let them go. It's, it's stupid that you have them anyway. It's stupid that you include them in your ticket sales anyway. Um, you know, and, and this week we also got Arkansas coming out and saying, yeah, we're planning on playing. Then, now, they, the AD there, he came back and said, well, look, all I'm saying is we're planning on playing. I'm not saying we're going to play. And I think that's what everybody talking about this stuff is, is kind of – on that same page and you got to be careful how you put it but everybody and this is where the nfl has been for longer than anybody yeah we're playing we're planning on playing now if if all of a sudden a meteor hits we're not going to (laughs) play if the murder hornets start taking everybody out we're probably not going to play but we're planning on playing we're hoping that everything gets resolved and we're going to play that's the deal and um you know so we'll see how all that works out. But we're all still sitting here with the same kind of attitude. Man, I want to watch something. I want to watch some football. I want to see football that matters. The funny thing is, guys, I know that we're all saying this. We're all, God, I miss football. What do you mean What do you mean you miss football? They're never playing football in, in May. I mean, okay, the XFL, who cares? That league stunk anyway. Just like all the... All the leagues except the USFL were terrible. I mean, they just didn't sustain any any kind of fun to watch. But my point being, you miss football? There there hasn't been one game canceled, right? Oh, the spring game? Please. That was the happiest day of my life when they canceled the spring game. I mean, that, that, that is the hardest column to write because nothing ever really, really happens. It's a, almost a meaningless game. It's there for the fans, and I know you guys appreciate it, and that's fine. All I'm saying is you don't miss football. You miss baseball. You miss the NBA that was cranking down. You probably, if you're a golf fan, you miss golf. I certainly miss golf when you're sitting there on a Sunday 
And you're like, well, at least there's golf on. And, and, but more than anything for me, personally, I miss baseball and softball at the college level. Right now, we'd be running it down, you know, to see um, who was going to be win the SEC and who was going to be where teams were going to be seated. Was Florida going to host? And again, Florida would have hosted at that new stadium. And by the way, I went by the new stadium on Sunday just driving around because I do that sometimes because I just get so bored and just get in my car and drive around. That stadium is ridiculous. There, I don't know that there's a minor league stadium as nice as that stadium is. At least as far as what it, you can see. I'm looking forward to a tour of, of everything. And yeah, I'm I miss I miss the fact that they would have been a regional there. That that you can miss. You can miss softball and not not being able to go to games and the excitement that those two sports bring. Certainly, uh, you lacrosse fans, you tennis fans, you track and field fans. You, you're gonna you're missing that. You can't be missing football. <laughs> there is no football. There was no football. There wasn't supposed to be football. Now, you get to February or you get to uh, September, and you don't have football. Then you miss it. I think what you miss is more than anything is knowing there's going to be football, like counting it down. That's what you miss. You miss sitting here and thinking about how close football season is. And how you want to plan your vacation this summer around, a, um, you know, to do whatever you want to do. And knowing that that week when you're, let's just say you have a house, you rent a house in St. Augustine. Or you, you go to the Bahamas or you go to a cabin in North Carolina. That week, you won't have to think about football. You don't think about football that week. You just enjoy the vacation. And then that knocks a week out of the summer. So at least that's good. Am I making any sense with, with all this? My point is, and this may end up being a column at some point. And believe me, we are hurting for column ideas, man. It is, like I said, this is eight, the eighth week of Coronaville. I'm, I'm pretty much done. I've pretty much run through a bunch. I, know, I think we've done a heck of a job giving you guys copy. But, um, you know, we'll, and we'll keep trying. We'll keep it going as far as we can. But some point, at some point, we may just recycle some old columns that I've done. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing in the, that was in the news, I mentioned Tennessee and uh, the recruiting class that they're bringing in. We're going to have Jimmy Himes on to talk about it. Uh, but Florida lost a couple of recruits, which was, you know, and you never know what's really going on. The one kid, Isaiah Walker, who entered the transfer portal before ever coming on campus. Now, he was here on campus for the Auburn game. And if you remember, there was a scene where he committed to – uh, Dan Mullen on the field and then sign with Florida. But there, there's a family situation going on. So, okay, whatever you need to do, I understand. Now, again, he's not going to be able to take advantage. It doesn't look like it um, of the um, you get to transfer one time and not sit out. He probably would have redshirted anyway, I would think. Uh, and then they lost another uh, recruit um, who's now uh, we'll see where he goes decommitted but something again look and i'm not saying this about this kid what we don't know about recruiting is a way more than what we do know you never know when a kid 
well, he ain't going to make grades, so we're pulling the offer. Or he got in trouble, we're pulling the offer. Or we can get a better player than that, so we're pulling the offer. Or, you know, other things that could be involved here when a kid decommits. Now, again, I'm not saying that's – what is it, Burchard Smith, I think? I'm not saying that's the case with him, but we we never know. Wait till the recruiting class is finished. And then you want, then evaluate them, and even then you're evaluating them too soon. You're evaluating the class too soon. But people get bent out of shape because Dan Mullen can't recruit. He's recruiting pretty well. He hasn't gotten it to the point of the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgias, and that's where people get mad. I've said this all along. Until they build that building, which will start pretty soon, you're not going to be able to evaluate how well he's recruiting because what's going on around college football, if you don't have a building like that, it's hard to recruit. And Florida's going to get there eventually. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk to Jimmy Himes. Also on the other side, uh, three things will be coming up. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Louisville getting another notice of, of, of allegations well, it's it's almost like a, a yearly thing with them. And uh, the column I wrote, or the part of the column I wrote about what colleges can do to cut back, just kind of curious about what your your thoughts were there. Again, I give Mike Bianchi credit. He wrote it last week. I, uh, Dana, um, Dana, not Dana White, please don't say Dana White, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic wrote a similar column. Um, and I, I, I just... Dropped a, a few lines in there about what I thought about it, but I'll talk about that as well. But right now we're going to take a break and come back with Jimmy Himes. You know him from the Sports Animal Radio, uh, longtime writer as well at the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel, one of one of my best friends, and uh, look forward to talking to him about the Vols when we come back on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Outback Steakhouse is committed to serving communities by doing what they do best, serving you and making a great steak. That's why Outback has curbside takeaway and delivery open and available starting daily at 11 a.m. at most locations. Let Outback help make things a little easier and taste a whole lot better. Visit Outback.com for more information and to place your curbside takeaway order. And Outback will bring your order straight to your car. Or you can order delivery directly from Outback.com. You can also find Outback Steakhouse on DoorDash and Uber Eats. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to bring in Jimmy Hines, who does an amazing job on radio up there in Knoxville and really is one of the, I don't know, veterans, would you say, of the SEC? Um, I don't want to I don't want to give away your age or anything like that. Well, it's too late for that. Um, I've been covering the <laughs> SEC since 1981, and I, gosh, I started in this profession when I was 16 years old, sports editor of my local newspaper in 1972. So uh, I've been doing this quite a while, but the SEC I've been covering since 1981. And, of course, the SEC is different, and this year is really different, as we all know, with what we're dealing with. And uh, obviously I would think that the people up there, there's a level of excitement we haven't seen in a while and that uh, they finished strong, although I I think you and I both pointed out that they didn't really beat anybody special. But they did win 
uh, at, to close out the season, a ton of games. And then uh, they're having this incredible recruiting class so far uh, with a big eight-day run there where they had seven players commit. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, in particular, when you think about it, we're, we're in a dead period, right? So all they're do, you can't you can't go visit players. You can't have them visit your campus. And yet here's Tennessee knocking out uh, a bunch of commitments. They're up to uh, 17, 18 commitments. I think they lead the nation in the number of commitments. Um, and they uh, they got a bunch of guys that were really high targeted players lately. A five star linebacker from um, Alabama, a five star defensive. I'm sorry, from Florida, and a five star defensive end from Alabama. Uh, a couple of running backs. One was the number one rated running back in junior college. They get a great running back out of Georgia. And uh, it's it's been amazing uh, to see what they have been able to do. So right now, depending on what service you look at, Tennessee's got the number two recruiting class in the country. But it was like every day you pick something up and, boom, here's another one. And yesterday they got an offensive lineman out of North Carolina. So they have had so far an outstanding recruiting class. Now, they've gotten more than everybody else. So as other people start catching up in terms of the number of commitments they have, Tennessee's ranking's going to slide down a little bit. But still, right now, they have uh, so far done a very good job. Why do you think that is, though? Uh, I mean, let, let's face it, Jimmy. Um, in, at the end of September of last year, you might have thought Jim, uh, Jeremy Pruitt was on his way out. I mean, it was an awful start <laughs> to the season. Yeah. Uh, but why do you think he's been able to change that momentum around? I, I just I find it hard to believe that beating Vandy and beating you know Kentucky or whoever really changed that momentum. But they're they're doing something right, and and maybe it's just the uh, Nick Saban influence that that continues because we're we're seeing it with obviously with Kirby Smart doing the same thing. I think there are a few things at work. Uh, number one, while Tennessee did not. Uh, beat a murderous row of opponents. They ended up winning eight games. So that, and a bowl game. So that showed some progress. You're going in the right direction. The other thing is, I think this staff has done, uh, I think he's got a really good recruiting staff. I don't think you have to have 10 great recruiters on your staff, but I think he's got six or seven really good ones. Now, those that aren't better be really good position coaches, right? But I yeah, think he's got right. an outstanding staff. I think he's got a, a number of really good uh, coaches uh, as far as developing players. And so I think it's a really good mix. The other thing Pruitt can do is say, hey, I coached this guy at Alabama or Georgia or Florida State. He's in the NFL. We helped him get there, and this is how I can help you get there. And many of the players that have played for him will tell you that they've done a really good job of player development. Now, much better than Butch Jones. Butch Jones had a number of really good and highly rated classes. Heck, a few years ago, he had six players drafted in the first four rounds. But he never had the reputation of being very good at developing players. Pruitt has that reputation. You look at what Nigel Warrior did his senior year, I mean, he, he really was mm-hmm. a, a major disappointment. And then the last eight or nine games of his senior year, he made all SEC based on those games. Uh, they've... Um, so I think the player development has contributed to that. And, and so now you've got a little bit of momentum going. And so you've got a really good staff. You're going in the right direction. You tell recruits, hey, I know how to get you to the NFL. I've done it with these players before. And I think all those things have contributed. Now, in my opinion, they still haven't caught up to the Floridas, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the LSUs of the world. 
but they're making ground. Now, now they should be more competitive and more games against those type things. Yeah, it's kind of like they're getting five-star players instead of five-star hearts. So, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as Butch Jones used to like to talk about. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, it almost felt like, you know, you talk about how every day you pick up the paper and somebody else knew it was committed. With Butch Jones, it was almost like he picked up the paper every day and went, well, I can't believe he said something that stupid. Uh, he just he fed into to the hate, you know, and and uh, I think that was probably part of the reason why it didn't work out for him there. Well, he, he made those inappropriate comments at inappropriate times. It, if you want to mm-hmm. say something about we've got players with five star hearts after you upset a team, okay, don't say it after you've not had a very good recruiting class the day after signing day or the day of signing day. Yeah. The timing on some of those comments were just kind of ridiculous to, to kind of make up for, for the, what the situation was. So, yeah, he, he said some things like that that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And he, he came with cliches, and the cliches were accepted for a while uh, until things started going sour. And, I mean, last year they, they didn't win a conference game. Now, that's, that's pretty pathetic. And he lost the team. That's no not question good. He lost no. the team. Um, and, and I think a lot of the reason he lost it was I, I think he made some promises that he didn't keep the number of players and word got out, and I think that hurt him as well. Uh, but the reason I'm more optimistic with Jeremy Pruitt versus Bush Jones is that I think Pruitt and his staff are much, much better developing players. I think Jones had to get really good players in here and then hope that they, they matured and played well on their own. You know, it's it's interesting to uh, to think. I mean, again, we don't know when anybody is going to be playing anybody, right? Uh, but when we look at at the schedule that is set up for Tennessee, if we do start on time, and you know, obviously getting Oklahoma in that second game will be big. But I, still, to me, it's going to come down to that Florida Tennessee game again on the twenty sixth, if if they do play the twenty sixth. But you know, at you, you get them back there, and obviously they've had only the one win in the last however many years. I mean, that feels like a kind of a game that could turn things around completely. Like, they've turned it in the right direction, but the ship hasn't gotten out of the harbor yet. And they they, they could turn it around <laughs> completely if they were able to knock off Florida. Counting the 2005 season, Florida won that game. Tennessee's beaten Florida once, and Florida led that game 21 to nothing. That's the only game Tennessee right. won. Now, they've blown some games, and Florida hit some Hail Marys or long touchdown passes. Uh, to win some games, but uh, now you're right. Tennessee has not been able to get over the hump that it that is Florida. And here's the deal about this Tennessee team: I think they're really solid in most position areas, but I'm also mm-hmm. going to pick them to go eight and four. Why? Because I don't think they're good enough at quarterback to beat Florida, Georgia, Alabama, or Oklahoma. Now, Garantano showed some signs that he could be a really good quarterback. But he also had some really bad games. That's one reason he got benched multiple times. He even got benched in the bowl game before he bailed them out midway through the fourth quarter. So there's not reason for me to believe he's going to be consistent. And if he is not playing at a much higher level, then Tennessee is going to struggle to beat the better teams on the schedule. So that's why I've got them going 8-4, and um, beating the teams they're supposed to beat and losing to the teams they're supposed to lose to. No, obviously they go eight and four, and hit their, Jeremy Pro is nowhere near a hot seat. But with the fan base there, say, "Hey, we're making progress; we're going the right way," or, or does it, are they expecting a little bit more out of out of this team? 
Well, here's the deal. Right now, if you ask the Tennessee fans, they'd be like, hey, yeah, yeah, eight and four. And then in July, it turns into nine and three. <laughs> and then August 31st, I don't know why they can't go 11 and one. Hey. So that's kind of the way it works, probably with a lot of fan bases, too. But I think the, the reasonable fans understand that Tennessee is, is good quarterback play away from taking the next step. Look, if Garantano plays a whole season like he did against Missouri when he threw for over 400 yards, then then look out. Tennessee could beat most anybody on their schedule. But he has not proven that he can be consistent during his entire time. And he is a fifth-year senior. Now, this is the second year under the same offensive coordinator. So maybe that will help him a lot. And I also think this offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney, is really good. But but that's the whole key to this thing is getting better quarterback play and, and figuring out a way to win against the better teams when you've got that. So that's going to be the key. But I, I think I think Tennessee will have one of the better offensive lines in the league. I like the running backs. They're not going to be as good as receiver because they lost Callaway and Jennings. Their defensive line, their linebackers, their secondary, all are solid. So there's no reason this shouldn't be a, uh, in my opinion, a borderline top 25 team. I just don't know if they can get over the hump and beat the better teams on the schedule. Last thing for you, Jimmy, and we appreciate your time. Um, when, when you look at the situation going on uh, with what we're dealing with, uh, there is no bigger stadium than, obviously, than Neyland Stadium. And uh, I, I, how much discussion have you guys had, uh, you know, with your radio listeners and also with people in the know over at Tennessee um, about what we might see you know, uh, it's hard for me to imagine 110,000 people getting together uh, for that opener against uh, – well, who do they open against? It's uh, Charlotte, right. Charlotte. Um, yeah, I, I just – you know, uh, what has kind of been the talk up there as far as getting together and going to a football game? The people in the know don't know. That's the thing that's going on right now. Yeah. We had a real interesting interview with the commissioner of the SEC over three weeks ago where he talked about – how if the SEC is ready to go and we would like for all the Power 5 schools to be going down the same road, but if the Pac-12 is not ready to go, well, okay, we're going to go. He also indicated that might be what they would do within the league. Let's say everybody in the league is ready to go except Missouri. Uh, I think that the SEC is going to play. But but in terms of what's going to happen – Nobody really knows. I saw where in the NFL the Miami Dolphins said, okay, we've got a 65,000-seat stadium, and we're going to figure out how to get 15,000 people there. I don't think you're going to see that in college. I I don't. And uh, as far as a 100,000-seat stadium, how many could you get in there before you felt safe? Well, let's just say you think that number's 35,000. What happens when they want to go to the bathroom with a concession stand at the same time? Right. I mean, I, I just think it's unavoidable that you're going to violate the social distancing guidelines, and they're not going to be wearing uh, masks, right? Uh, so I, I just I think it's going to be hard to have this season with fans. But here's an interesting thing, which you probably know. Uh, the, the ticket sales in the NFL amount to about 16% of the revenue that a team derives. Most of their money comes from TV, right? Well, in college football, among at the higher level, 30 to 35% of the revenue comes from ticket sales. The TV packages aren't as enormous as the packages in the NFL. So they actually need more fans in the stands in college than they do in the NFL to be fiscally on balance with where you want to be. 
But I, I just think it's going to be really hard to open it up. Now, if you gave me a choice, would I rather have games with no fans or no games? I want games with no fans and watch it on TV. I, I can I can live with that. I'd much rather have the event than not than uh, say, well, we can't play it if you can't have fans in the stands. But nobody at Tennessee knows. Greg Sankey indicated he doesn't know. I just think it's really hard to project this, uh, and I'm not sure that we, we, this is uncharted territory. I know some people are trying to go back to the Spanish flu and say, well, we had a they had an incredible uh, outbreak again in the fall. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with this thing? But I, I do think, to your question, I think it's going to be difficult to have fans in the stand uh, in, in college football this year. I mean, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I would be surprised at this point. Just to make sure everybody's aware, when the Spanish flu did take place in 1918, neither Jimmy nor I was covering anything, no, uh, any of those games. Right. If we'd have been covering anything, Florida, it would have been our mouth. Florida, Florida, Florida played one game that year, by the way. I looked it up. They lost 14-2. to two. So, uh, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> against a, a military base up in Jacksonville. <laughs> so, Wow. One game, but uh, hey, we appreciate it. Jimmy Himes, you know him well from WNML, the sports animal up in Knoxville. We always love having him on. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, thanks to Jimmy Himes. Always a pleasure to talk to him. And like I said, man, I, uh, I, I hope I see him soon. You know, we've... I know he's talked to the SEC office. I've talked to the SEC office. They have no idea whether we're going to have SEC media days. It may end up being virtual. Um, we talked about this last week, how the Mountain West has already said they're going to be virtual. Uh, I don't look forward to that at all. Uh, that, to me, would be a long day of staring at your computer screen. So not a big fan but, well, I mean, you may have, have no choice. You know, I'm having, I think I have two Zoom meetings this week with different people. So it's just the way of the world now. And, and it, I don't know that by July uh, it'll be any different. Now, what you could do possibly is move it back to August. But the problem you're going to have is you're, you're talking about hundreds of media um, and obviously 14 times, what do they bring, three players um, so that's a lot of, you know, and, and then all the personnel from the SEC and the personnel involved. That's a lot of people. Now, it'd be a big boost for the Omni Hotel, which is where we stayed last time we were in Atlanta. We'll see what happens. I hope I hope we're safe enough to have it. I'm not, you know, I don't want to just say, oh, God, we got to have it. No, I hope we're safe enough to have it in reality. Um, one thing I did want to mention was the death of Don Shula. If you have didn't read... Um, in my column, uh, what I wrote about him, I, I knew him a little bit. I knew him long from just enough from uh, the uh, the story that I told about being at Falcons camp with him and Dan Henning, and, and they were singing Irish songs, and it was like one of those nights where you just snapshot it in your head and you just don't ever want it to go away, so you, you will remember it forever it was the coolest thing i mean we're there for a couple of hours listening to those guys sing don shula and dan henning and there were some beverages involved it was a pretty good night 
Um, I certainly said, you know, it's funny. I, I think I mentioned this on the radio too. My uh, my wife met him at the uh, when they opened the Shulas. She went over there. There was like a mixer, and she met him, and she loved him. She was a huge Don Shula fan. I go look. I met the guy in 1977 when I was doing some Dolphins work, and, and he was I, he. I immediately became a fan. I mean, I it was sad, but at the same time, the guy lived to be 90, and you're you're thrilled that he had such a great life. Couldn't have asked for a much better life with uh, the success he had, and of course, the only perfect season ever may never be broken. And also. Um, I mentioned this in my column, Bill Matthews, Shane Matthews' father, who was a legend as a high school coach out in uh, Mississippi, uh, passed away suddenly. It was a little bit of a surprise. He's been having heart problems. Uh, I felt terrible for Shane, and obviously this is a guy who had was a good guy. And also, uh, I tell you, he's part of the reason that, um, that uh, Shane started, because he went to Spurrier and said, hey, I just drove down here from Pascagoula, and you didn't play my son in the scrimmage. He goes, oh, crap. Well, we'll get him in the next one. And next thing you know, Shane took off. So um, so really, uh, condolences go out there. Um, Louisville gets a notice of allegations. And it, it, we've seen this before with them. Um, how and, and the question that comes up is the same question that I think gets asked a lot. Nobody that has anything to do with the, what they did wrong is there. Coach isn't there. AD's not there. President's not there. None of the players are there. Yet they'll be the ones who pay the price. Like somebody asked about the death penalty, and nobody's going to ever get the death penalty again. It's not going to happen. It's stupid. Death penalty makes no sense um, because you're not punishing just the team involved. Even if it now again, when when Southern Methodists got it, they deserved it. I mean, they, they got put on major probation, then kept cheating, then got put on double secret probation, and then kept cheating, and then they finally gave him the death penalty and, and shut the program down for a year. But it is um, – I don't think you'll ever see that again because, again, that, your schedule – everybody's schedule. All 12 teams on your schedule get screwed up. In basketball, there's 30 teams that get their schedule screwed up. You can't watch them play those games, and I don't think people want to do that. Plus, you know – I don't think you're you're negotiating contracts, TV contracts, and all of a sudden you say, oh, by the way, one of our premier programs will not be involved in any games this year. So I don't think you'll ever see that. Um, But that question deserves to be asked because they've been in so much trouble. It's just unbelievable. But, you know, it's it's still, like I said, the same question where you go, wait a minute. Nobody did anything. This goes back to the whole, you know, when Florida, when Galen Hall got fired for stuff that they didn't even have, you know, and then who gets punished? Who got punished? Well, Galen got punished. There's no doubt about it. And in a way, Rick Patino got punished because he got he lost his job. But really, who got punished was that 1990 team. They. Won the SEC but couldn't claim it because of something that happened with somebody else that didn't play for the team anymore or none of the coaches were out. So it's always been a really difficult situation for the NCAA to figure. I don't even have the answer there. 
What would I do? Okay, you guys cheated. We know you cheated. We've proved you cheated. We don't have to prove it because we're the NCAA, but we're, we're pretty sure you cheated, and that's good enough for us. How are we going to punish you? What would you do to a team to punish them? Would you make it a financial deal? Maybe you don't get a share of the conference earnings? Well, I don't, I don't know. That, why would you hurt other sports that weren't involved there? Like, why would you hurt your swimming program? You know, to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. So I don't know. I don't know what the real, the right answer is. Nobody has been able to ever tell me that. We are seeing also things with with coaches taking pay cuts over and over. Roger Goodell's not getting paid during this pandemic. Uh, Kansas now announced they're almost cutting the price of their season ticket in half for basketball, which is um, I think is you're going to see more and more of people just saying, "Hey." We're, we know you're you're in tough times, and we're in tough times too. But we can survive it better. We just want to have you come to the games now. If you're selling a ticket to the Florida Kentucky basketball game next uh, year, you know you, you may make that a premium. You could still do that, but I think for other games, you may see prices come down. And I wrote about this as I mentioned earlier in the, a part of my column about where university athletic departments are going to need to to evolve a little bit here with with the pandemic and, and w- I don't want to say it's been exposed what a fragile um economic formula or you know equation that the college sports has but I think maybe more people now realize it that without college football you can't have other sports you kill college football, you've killed them all. And without college football for a year, if that did happen, and we're still hoping like heck it doesn't, you're going to have to cut sports. We've already seen some of them get cut. But there are ways you can cut your budget to make it a little more reasonable. And and they would never do it, though. You know, and one of the things Bianchi, as I, I said earlier, pointed out in his column was that they need to not, and he was on the, the podcast last week, was that they need to not build these palatial, um, you know, football-only facilities. You No, sorry, you can't do that because everybody's got them now, except Florida and a couple other schools. You can't put them behind the eight ball there. Um, but I do think you can. If This is where the NCAA lacks leadership. If they had a commissioner, um who would could step in and do things like this, I think it'd be great. But if it was me, I would I would reduce I would put a cap on buyouts. Your school and and sorry coaches, you're not gonna like this, but the the cap on buyouts is two million dollars. If you get fired, even with five years left in your contract, you can only get up to two million dollars. And you know, it, it may mean that the, not good news for coaches, and they may get fired quicker than they like. Guys are being kept who they want to get rid of because they can't afford their buyouts. It, the buyouts are too expensive, and then they end up firing them a year later anyway, and have to still have to pay them a ridiculous buyout. There's got to be an answer to that. Okay, I really believe there should be an answer to that, and I do believe you can put a cap on recruiting budgets. Whatever, let's just say the average budget. 
in college football recruiting is $300,000. Okay, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just throwing a number out there. You can cut it in half. And guess what that means? Oh, you won't be able to take this guy to dinner uh, as nice a dinner. You can't fly all over the country to try to get guys some of who you won't get. Football is already going to become more regional, and that goes to number three, which is we're going to have to regionalize sports. As, as, hey, look, Florida softball team goes to California for a reason every year. They don't need to, though. They can stop that. You don't have to have uh, Florida baseball going. Uh, now, Florida baseball doesn't, really. And you may even get to a point where you make it almost all interdivision play and a couple of just a couple of trips outside the division. Now, because the SEC uh, in its money grabbing way added Missouri to uh, the East. In fact, I would that that could spur the change. Get Missouri out of the East and put them in the West. Okay, and then. So Florida doesn't have to go to Missouri every year for foot or every other year for football, but they don't have to go there for baseball or bat. Anyway, these are just thoughts, and I, I'm sure that the smarter people than me can sit down and even come up with better ones. So go ahead and do it. You, you guys need to really tighten the belt right now, and go ahead and tighten the belt, and don't let it, don't, don't put an expander on that belt. You know. I mean, that's the thing. You tighten the belt. Let's say you say, well, look, you can't have 19 um, personnel guys breaking down film. We're setting that cap. And they've already done that once. They cut it back a little bit. But let's, let's say you cut it back even more. And then we get the, the economy's going again. And then three years from now, you go, well, let's go ahead and expand it back out. Now, I will say this. All the things I'm talking about, not all of them, but some of them. And especially when you talk about coaching staffs and, and okay, we've got, we've got 48 people who basically their job is to make sure players don't get in trouble. And uh, another 37 who break down third downs. And, uh, again, I'm exaggerating here, but just to say you have that. And they come in and say, well, we can't have that. You, you need five of five and five. Guess how many people just lost their jobs? So that's another thing you have to look at. You have to look like our economy is, is in a mess right now because of the obvious. Think about, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at a newspaper profession where people are getting laid off left and right almost on a daily basis. It's sad. They aren't coming back. But think about if you started really cutting back on all the money that's kind of foolishly spent, like you've let the cat out of the bag already, and you've allowed this money to be spent for all these different personnel people, but at least they're employed. You want to cut? You want to put somebody on the unemployment line? So I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know. Let's let smarter people talk about this. Instead, I will give you three things. It's time for three things. All right, number one on three things. Uh, Okay, so here we have it. Sports is back. South Korean baseball. And at first I was like, I can't see me getting into that. Then I saw that the first game was at one in the morning. I think it was this morning. (laughs) And I was like, hmm, Let's see. Will I stay up and watch it? I did see. 
I think the next couple of games are at 5.30 in the morning, which means um, you can catch the ninth inning when you get up. Okay, it's look, they're making an effort. Okay, that's fine. And, of course, we're going to get golf next Saturday uh, the, for charity being done. Is, uh, what is it, Dustin and Rory against uh, Fowler and Matthew Wolf, who I don't really know. But the great thing about it is uh, they're playing it at Seminole, which has never hosted a, uh, a live uh, golf tournament. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to watching the course, looking to see what the course is like. And I'll watch that, yeah. And people will bet on it. Maybe we'll bet on it. <laughs> Maybe I should bet on it. But at least we'll have that, and we're, we're going to get back to NASCAR soon. And real golf, you know, with, um, with uh, what is it, June 10th or something, where they're going to play a real golf tournament, four, first four without fans. We'll see how that goes. So at least it's a step in the right direction. Uh, number two, this Michael Jordan documentary is unbelievable and as i said in my column there are times that i'm watching this thing and i go man michael jordan is the man ah he is so amazing and then all of a sudden i go oh yeah i don't like him i remember why i didn't like him he did this you know republicans buy shoes too um you know some of the other way he treated some of the players i i I just remember never being a michael jordan fan but huge respect for his game he is the best. To me, he's a GOAT. There's no question about it. Um, what he was able to do was pretty darn incredible. But that said, this documentary is unbelievable. If you haven't watched it, go go back and watch the first six episodes. Binge it if you want to. You got till till Sunday for the next one to come out. It, it's really good stuff. Really well done. Not surprising because people have been raving about it before it. Um, this isn't Tiger King, okay? But there's some Tiger King elements to it. By the way, did you see that they're going to do a scripted Tiger King? Uh, for I think Netflix is doing this, and Nick Cage is going to play um, Joe Exotic. And my first reaction to that is, I don't want to watch that. I Look, I love Tiger King. Tiger King... I got on it before anybody else did, literally. I was one of the first people to start talking about it. It was great. One thing that people like, and I look, I'm a huge Howard Stern fan, but Howard Stern's ripping it all the time saying we couldn't watch it the way they treated the animals. Yeah, that's the point. The point is you watched it and you came away from it and you said, I hate the way they treat animals. Something's got to be done about that. You know, and there is all this entertainment involved, too. You know, for example, in fact, I, I, the, the best moment of that movie was at the end when they're rolling, like, where are they now things? And the one guy whose name I can't remember that had the harem down there had his, had his uh, place raided because of, of the situation they had with euthanizing Tigers. I, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible. This, they're despicable people. That's what made it interesting. Was they're awful, awful human beings. None of them had a redeeming value. The tigers were the stars. But I sat there and watched it. Actually, I watched it twice, and I hated that part of it. But it was still entertainment, especially during these times. Okay. So, Howard, you and I disagree on that. Yeah, I want to watch how they're being mistreated because I want people to see it and then do something about it. Not, oh, I'm getting a real, 
I'm getting my jollies by watching how terrible they treat these uh, animals. No. A big difference there. I, I don't think Howard gets it. And I certainly don't think we need to get a scripted version of it starring Nicolas Cage. That's high praise indeed. All right, number three. I, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to let you go. I'm doing this story on Olympics and, and the wait for the Olympics. I'm actually doing it for uh, Florida Gator Magazine. They asked me to do it. And while I was doing research on it, I came across something I never knew. And you think you know everything about the Gators, but I found something I never knew. And that was the first Olympic medal was won by Katie Ball. Now, the name jumped off the page at me because when I was young, Katie Ball was like my first crush. I mean, she was about three years older than me, but you could not pick up the paper in... in, um, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Journal or the Florida Times Union and not see Katie Ball, a story about Katie Ball. She was such a big deal. She was from Jacksonville. I think she went to Robert E. Lee High School. Um, and uh, so I started reading up on her and found out that she, were, that she had a uh, business she had started. I found the phone number pretty easily, called her. She answered the phone. We talked for a while. It was a really wonderful talk. She said that me calling her was a ray of sunshine at a bad time. I go, no, you got it the wrong way. Me talking to you was a ray of sunshine. I can't believe I'm talking to you. But she was an interesting story. She won the gold medal in a relay. She would have done better, but she had the flu, of all things, down in Mexico City. Could have been Montezuma's revenge. Um, And she did win the first gold medal, but really was it the first gold medal for Florida because she did go to Florida then. She was in high school, went to Florida the next year. They didn't have a swim team. so she And she was fine with that because she was tired of swimming. So by her senior year, she Florida decided to have swimming because Title IX kind of kicked in, and she was named the first coach as a senior in college. Now, how cool a story is that? And they finished second in the country. Pretty amazing. Anyway, I got to talk to Katie Ball, so I've had a good week already. That was a big thrill for me. She was she was something. She was com- some kind of a celebrity back in those days. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. You know, we had a conversation yesterday, I guess it was, maybe Sunday, and we pretty much, here's what we've decided. We're going to go to June 30th. That'll be the last one, and then we're going to take some time off until we come back for the start of football, which will be, I'm sure, you know, middle of August probably, but try to take July off so that we've got to get vacation in sometime. Um, even though I don't know what we're, what we'll do, but um, so anyway, we're going to keep it going though. So you've got another two months of the duly noted podcast. I hope I'm not boring you because I just tell stories and stuff like that. We try to get good guests. And uh, I think we're going to really crank it up in terms of trying to get football players, former Gator football players as our guests uh, the rest of the way. And um, hopefully hopefully you enjoy it. Um, But we are going to keep it going till June 30th. Every Tuesday usually is when I'll record it and then we'll, we'll get it up as soon as possible. Anyway, that'll do it. Appreciate everybody for listening until next time. I'm Pat Dilley, sports columnist of the Gainesville sun. I am deep. I am way back and I am out of here.